Good morning. It's great to be with you in this way for this Sunday uh, and maybe many Sundays to come because of coronavirus. was definitely looking and thinking and praying about this in our response because the text this week, Exodus 12, is all about a plague, about a whole nation having to shut things down and do things in a new and different way because of a plague. So it's really relevant to what we're experiencing and even the mass anxiety, hysteria, and concern or total ignorance is really relevant to this passage here today. So what do we do in these times of COVID-19 awareness? What do they have to do with the Bible? Well, we've just looked at the 10 plagues and in the final plague, the angel of death is about to visit everyone's home. If the proper precautions are not taken, the firstborn will die. Recall Pharaoh's question, who's the Lord that I should obey him? That heart posture continued in this final plague, revealing that the ultimate infection that humans need cleansing from is the will against God, a heart and mind that sets its own empire of control where we are our own God and what we think and say rules. Let's look at God's prescription for his cure in the Passover regulations of Exodus 12. If you haven't read the scripture already, you might want to pause now and read that. Let's look at the symbolism in the regulations. First, we encounter the bitter herbs. This was a sign of the tears and harsh oppression Israel faced in slavery. They were not free to worship. God made humans to operate a six to one work to rest ratio, but that was eliminated by another God, Pharaoh. What makes you operate outside of God's rhythms? Is it a philosophy of life? Like only the strong survive? Maybe it's an emotion, like an anxiety that makes you run the rat race. This kind of life is not designed for you. It results in sadness and bitterness. Secondly, there was the lamb. The sacrifice was commonplace in the ancient world. The guilt of a person could be transferred to another or to another thing and the punishment taken away. Likewise, the blood of the sacrifice represented life and it cleansed wherever it was sprinkled. The lamb's blood on each doorpost was a sign of the faith that family put in God's instructions. By their observance, death passed over. God has provided a way out of the plague of that day. Thirdly, we encounter the unleavened bread. Israel was to be ready for an even greater salvation. God would not only stop the death of the firstborn, but give Israel the riches of Egypt on their way out of town. They were to have their shoes on and be fully dressed at the imminent order that life was going to change dramatically. On the other side of the final plague was deliverance, a way out, the promise of a new life and a new home. In future observance of the Passover, all yeast was to be removed from the home. Yeast was spread throughout a home, so meticulous cleaning had to be carried out to get rid of it. This represents the pervasiveness and how commonplace sin is. It's in cleaning up 
the sin and cleansing that our homes, that we are prepared for God's deliverance and blessing. Thirdly, it became a new year. God instituted a new beginning with Passover. This new creation gave the people a new identity. Indeed, this feast marks the center of Jewish identity to this day. This story played out for thousands of years and marks the God's rescuing of a new people for himself. Notice in Exodus 12 verse 38, it says, A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. This new beginning included everyone. It was universal, and it was particular. It was for those who would follow God's commandments, their children, their livestock, their possessions. God is in the business of saving everyone and bringing all things to himself. Even in judgment, God's mercy prevails. And the last thing is the firstborn consecration. It's common to watch a movie and see someone saved, who then devotes their whole life to their rescuer. In God's deliverance of his people, he allows the firstborn who was saved to be the representative for the whole family. Every firstborn belongs to God, whether human or animal. This may seem foreign or even greedy to our modern ears, but this is beyond the gracious norms of an ancient society. Israel needed not only to participate in the Passover festival, but to have the dignity of giving back to God a token reminder of how they valued his salvation. Rather than kill their firstborn son, the sacrificial system of the firstborn of every animal was given back to God and eaten by the family. It was a celebration of who they belong to, a God that saves and gives good life. You see, God's salvation and deliverance in Exodus is a foreshadow of Jesus and his rescue today. God is Lord over all. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of everything in it, the world and those who dwell there within. He's the rightful Savior. He's the Lord and God of all Christians. Romans 14.8 and 9 says, for if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. Every part of our lives are called to be cleansed, consecrated, and set apart for God to ask of and do with so that we can be cleansed and saved from death. It isn't our obedience that saves us, but our obedience shows our faith in the salvation he has provided us in Jesus. Freely we have received, freely we must give. The church has struggled with their own individual freedom from the beginning. Grace is prone to lead everyone to doing what's right in their own eyes. Yet, this leads to a life lacking of love and life. When we live according to our own preferences and desires, we create a selfish community. It sucks the life out of others. 
Paul, when confronted with this pro- problem in Corinthians, implored, You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Yes, everything that God has saved belongs to Him. Your body, your mind, your heart, your whole soul. Indeed, since that first snake in the garden, we've wanted to come up with our own rules and regulations. We think that those public health orders don't apply to us. I can get by cheating on my taxes. I can run my life according to my own rhythms and work ambitions. I don't have to do everything that God's asked. I'm better than everyone else. I'm special. I have to have some exceptions here. My money and my possessions? No, they're my own. I've got big plans for me and my family. We are going to have a great life. No, that's the snake talking. And it's an echo of Pharaoh. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? And this is exactly where Jesus enters. He is the Lord, the exact representation of God. His life shows God's power and compassion. His death shows his sacrifice. Jesus was willing to give up everything for you. He made a way for you to be saved. And today, he invites you to participate in this life so that you too will be saved. The way of cleansing and salvation is his way. Jesus' way is in this phrase, not my will, Father, but yours be done. No arguments, no rationalizations, no making anxious trips to Costco to stock up on our own salvation, but to simply trust, have faith, and obey his plan. You see, the gift of COVID-19 is that it reveals our hearts. We can be so optimistic and careless that we don't observe any practice, and that leads to harm not only to ourselves but others. And on the other end of the spectrum, we can, out of our own anxiety, create rules and regulations well above what is required. You may be safe, but your hoarding and your anxious presence robs others of the life God wants to give. Finally, today, can you surrender your whole life, your time, your money, your heart to Jesus? He wants to save you from the imminent death we all will face. He wants to cleanse you from sin. Jesus' blood is the only remedy, the only vaccine for a sin-infected heart. If you were facing life and death and were offered a vaccine, you'd take it, right? You're not an anti-vaxxer. And for that vaccine to work, you would have to follow the directions, right? Today, receive God's salvation. Follow his plans for you. He is God, and you do need him, and you do need to follow his ways. Amen. Let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you diagnosed our condition. We thank you that not only did you have compassion on us, but you are powerful to save to the uttermost 
those who will save and live according to your son and his word. Today, we put our full trust in you. We take away all our anxiety and receive your peace. And we ask that you would give us life and that we would be life-giving, especially in this day and time, that we would share your love and life with our neighbors. Amen. Bless you.